pray for our time in the Word. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together today. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Father, we thank you for provision. We thank you for life, Lord. Father, we thank you that your Word is alive and active. Father, I pray that our hearts would be good soil today that we would receive what you have that you would strengthen your servant today to bring forth the message Lord and that we would act quickly and in obedience Father to whatever you would have for us today in your name Amen Amen.
I thank you, Father, that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we all are at different places in our walk with you, Lord. We all woke up um, with different mindsets and different temptations and different struggles and different thought patterns, Father. But I thank you, God, that you are greater than them all. I thank you, Father, that we do not have to surrender to them. For, Father, I pray that we have surrendered to you. And that our heart's cry is, Lord, have your way. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You are going to harvest what you plant. And as I've been encouraging us throughout this year with this one simple verse, oh, how I pray that it's impacting your life that you're giving thought daily and throughout your day, again, what are you putting your hands to? What are you putting your eyes on? What are you giving yourself over to? Because as you plant, so you will harvest back upon yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs that as a man thinks, so he goes. How are you thinking? Remember the good news in the Word of God? It says, how does He transform us? By changing the way we think. See, in Christ we have been born again. And it's again, it's almost like a broken record. You hear it over and over and over. But I'm going to let you know what my concern is for us as the body of Christ and the day and the hour in which we live. I think we're hearing... (laughs) but we're not believing. I think we're hearing, but we're not doing. The the Bible says that we just can't be hearers of the words. We must be doers of the word. We must apply the truth in which we receive in Christ. We are born again of a new nature. The Bible says that all things are made new. You are freed from the shackles of sin and death. That's good news. And so it doesn't give us the right to keep living how we want to live. In the past couple of weeks, we looked at scriptures with, for the, on the love of God, and we looked on scriptures on the wrath of God, and, and we've come to understand throughout the years as we're studying through the Word of God that He is a God of love and He's a God of wrath. He's a God of wrath and He's a God of love. And you can't have Him one way or just this way. No, because he's both. Wherever you see in Scripture, his wrath being displayed, right along comes his love. And wherever you see his love being displayed, right behind that is his wrath. Because he's a just God. He's a holy God. He's a God that does not change. He's God, you all. He's holy. And his plan from the beginning is to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. That they would worship him, that they would honor him, that they would obey him. And that's why Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do what I say. See, there is a way in which we are to live. There is a way in which we are daily 
to honor Christ in our lives. Not going back to the old ways, not going back to what he's already freed us from, but to move forward. And that's what I've been encouraging us throughout the years is that your Christian life is not to be a perfect life, because you're not perfected until you are with Christ, but it is a life that has the movement of moving forward. You're to be advancing forward. You're to be maturing forward. That is the progression of the Christian life, maturing, growing up. I've encouraged you, if you read from the book of Acts through the book of Jude, the common theme that the, the message is given to the body of Christ is to grow up, mature, advance forward. Don't go backwards. Don't look back. Even Jesus himself says that if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for my kingdom. Are you fit for his kingdom? And in and of our own selves, we wouldn't be. But it's because the work that he has done in us and through us as we have come to believe upon him, to call upon him, and by faith declare that he is the son of God and that he is risen from the dead. And throughout the years, I've been trying to encourage us to really grasp, do you know what you believe? (laughs) Do you know what you believe? Do you know whom you say you belong to? Because that's the Christian life. And it's not something, as I've said before, that in and of yourself that you would choose. You don't wake up one day and say, today I'm going to follow Jesus. No, in and of yourself, you wouldn't. Because we understand that the nature in which we were born into is a nature that is in complete rebellion towards his kingdom. He's not God to us in our natural lives. And the flesh and the natural man. He's not God. In fact, we, 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 we hold our fist up against him and we reject him. We reject his truth. But God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. And God, throughout our entire lives, <laughs> has been revealing himself to us through his son Jesus. And there comes a day when one looks and understands the revelation that one is a sinner in need of a Savior. And it's in that moment that our eyes are opened. The Bible says that before that moment, before that conversion, that rebirth, that our eyes are blinded, that Satan is blinding the eyes of those who don't believe. But there's a day when our eyes are open, we see who we are, we see that we are sinners, that there's nothing good in us, and we humble ourselves before a living God, before a holy God, He has revealed himself to us through his son Jesus. His great love towards us draws us to himself. And in that moment when we call upon his name, not because of anything we've done, because there's nothing that we could do, but it's in that moment when we call upon his name that we are then born again of a new nature. 
of a new way of living. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says to the Galatians, you're free. Don't get entangled again with the law, with religion. Don't get entangled with making it about works and what you do and how you do and making it all about you. No, no, no. It is to be and to remain all about Jesus. For he has set us free. The Bible says, for he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And so we don't get yoked back to the old ways. We don't get yoked to the religious ways. No, we are to remain free. And I love when he says in Galatians 5 that we don't use our freedom to sin. To satisfy our old nature. We don't go back. We don't put on Christ and then go back to the old man. No, we put on Christ and we begin to live out by faith as the Spirit of God leads us. Because when you were born again, you received the Holy Spirit. God in you, God with you, God empowering you to live right and to move forward. Remember, grace is not the license to continue to sin. Grace is the power to transform us. In Romans 6, that's why Paul tells the church, what then shall we say? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't we know that if we died with him, we've been raised up with him into a new life? And yet, the church has been bombarded with false teachings to keep the church weak to keep the church under deception but as the church we're not to be under deception we're we're not to give in to, to our cravings and our desires no as the church we are set apart as it was with the Israelites they were to be set apart for God so it is with the church in the new covenant we are set apart for God And so it will be at the end of days when Christ returns, he's going to collect those who are set apart for himself. And he's going to turn the others over to their desires and to a place of eternal damnation separated from him. This is God's plan, you all. This is the hope that we have in Christ. And in the day and age in which we are living, oh, we better wake up. Oh, we better wake up. And I want to encourage us that we are not, as the Word of God says, to grow weary in doing good. For in the right time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's not time to draw back. It's not time to remain depressed. It's not time to stay in bed. It's not time to allow your emotions and all this other junk that tries to bombard our hearts and our minds to rule and reign over us. No, it's time to get up and begin to confess what we know to be true. And even if your knowledge of truth is just little, confess that. Over and over and over. You must encourage yourself in the faith. You must begin to straighten up your back, lift up your head, and move forward. 
You must know that you were purposed for such a time as this. Your life is not a mistake. Your life is not an accident. No, you were purposed by God for today and for the days to come. As long as you have breath in your body. This generation in which we are living is like none other that has been on the face of this earth. And it is going to continue, as you've heard me say for many years, <laughs> to get darker. And for many years, I've been trying to encourage us <laughs> to burn brighter. I've asked you all throughout the years, how are you burning? Are you burning brighter? Throughout the years, people have flooded in, and throughout the years, people have flooded out. Rather, it's this church or any other church. Are we truly grasping who we are and whom we belong to? Are we truly grasping truth? Are we holding tightly to the foundations of truth? We are living in a time in the midst, in our country, in the midst of a revolution and a pandemic, or what I call it, the plague. We are living through the, almost one of the, the seasons of the worst economies we've ever experienced. Even greater than the Great Depression. I mean, we are being bombarded left and right. And in the midst of it, the church is being told by local counties, governments, officials that they can't meet. The church has been scattered throughout our land. Now, praise be to God, there are churches coming back together and meeting. But the reports that I'm reading and seeing that the majority of the churches, people aren't returning. Where are they? Where are they? This isn't the time for the church to be isolated. This isn't the time for the church to not know her true identity. You know, I sat with someone the other day, and as I looked upon them, I saw the torment of the heart and the soul and the very mind of the individual. And I allowed the individual just to throw up, just vomit all over the place. I listened, and I listened, and I listened, and I listened, and I had to really guard my heart. Because I've, I've been transparent before y'all throughout the years. It's very easy for me to get discouraged. It's very easy for me to say, God, this, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is crazy. You know, to get up, rather it's on a Sunday, or rather it's a sit down throughout the days, throughout the weeks, with people, and say the same thing over and over and over and over and over till I'm exhausted. To have to guard my heart. To not to grow weary. To not give up. To keep praying. To keep believing. Not in the person, but in Christ. The one who can transform the person. Because that's all we have to give to people. And this generation, you are purposed to give hope. 
the church throughout the generations and, and, and for the generations to come until Christ returns, we all have the same ministry, and that's the ministry of reconciliation. You are to be living for Christ, you are to be honoring Christ, and you are to be telling others about Christ. And serving and loving others. If you read through Galatians 5, you'll see that the, 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 the purpose of your freedom... The purpose of your deliverance, the purpose of the call on your life is so that you will love. Are you loving others? Are you serving others? Are you encouraging others? It could have been so easy for me to sit there and be in agreement with everything that was said. But as I begin to guard my heart, as I begin to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me or how to minister to this individual, I just began to speak truth. And truth is, you're not fighting back. You're listening to the lies of the enemy. You're putting your eyes on everything and everyone that is temporal. And where is Jesus? Where's the work that he's begun in you? Why are you so easily giving up and turning back? Or giving up and taking camp? Why are you allowing the enemy to wreak havoc? As if he is greater than Christ. He's not. He's defeated. He is defeated. And so the question I give to us today is who are you listening to? I had a little over an hour or so with this individual. And I would like to say that within over the hour, at the end of the hour, poof, God showed up and did something amazing. No. The individual just looked at me, just shook their heads. I said, all I could do was encourage them. I praise God later on that night, I get this text. Just thanking me for the encouragement. And this individual recognized that he was dealing with a plank in everyone else's eyes, but not the log. And there I. He thanked me for upholding truth and reminding them of who they are in Christ and their worth that is found in Christ. Do you know your worth in Christ? Because once you truly know it, you're not going to be satisfied with the temporalness of this life, with temporal relationships, with temporal possessions. No, because you, you know your worth and you're just not going to give up your inheritance just for a temporal need. Like you're going to cling to Christ through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. Because Jesus himself says, in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. 
Sometimes we can get distracted by everything that's going on around us. Sometimes we can just look around and say, no, this looks bigger than our God. We may not say those exact words, but our our actions say it for us. Because we give up. We give in. We get down. We mope. We get angry. We get frustrated. We give in to our lust. We give in to our desires. And all of a sudden, where is God? We've got to be able to stand firm, you all. We've got to be able to fight. Again, not in our own strength, but through Christ, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, to take the truth of God's Word and begin to demolish strongholds. Do you know the armor of God, the only weapon of that armor is the sword? Everything else is for protection. But you've been given a weapon of your warfare. And it's the sword and it's the word of God. And are you using your weapon? Remember what I told you about strongholds. Strongholds are patterns of thoughts that you are thinking on that you actually begin to believe that are contrary to God's truth. And so now you're taken captive by the enemy. That's why the Bible says... Do not give the enemy a foothold. Because if you give him a foothold, the Bible says he's going to develop a stronghold. And once those strongholds are developed, that they master you. Because that's all you're thinking on. And as you think, so you go. What are you thinking on? How do you see yourself? How do you see others? How do you see situations? It could be overwhelming to look at the conditions of the world. It could be overwhelming to look at the conditions of our nation. It could be overwhelming looking at the conditions of our loved one. It could be overwhelming looking at the conditions of our finances. It could be overwhelming looking at the condition of our health. It could be overwhelming just looking at the condition of just life. But oh, if you are a child of God, look up and look upon Christ. Because he is your all in all. He trumps all that other stuff. And he says, no, keep your eyes on me and keep moving forward. Remember when Peter got out of the boat, Peter was walking on water. He was walking towards Jesus. But all of a sudden, the storm around him, the waves beating up against him, he got sidetracked. And he started to go under. And instantly he cries out, Lord, save me from death. And instantly Jesus reaches down and pulls him up. And that's where some of us are at. We're sinking. But I want to encourage you today, cry out, Jesus, save me from death. And I trust you. I mean, you can trust the fact that Jesus will reach out instantly and pull you up. Because he's a faithful God. But he is giving you the weapons of your warfare, the Bible says, to demolish stronghold. When you see that you're thinking as you ought not to think as a child of God, you better put a stop to it. You better stop it right there and say, no, I recognize you. <laughs> you know, I told the individual I was sitting with, I know it sounds crazy, but you got to talk to yourself. I talk to myself a lot. 
Sometimes I have to pull myself in front of the mirror and remind that old man, no, you're a dead man. You have no rights. You have no rule. You have no reign in my life. Sometimes you got to just take thoughts captive as the Word of God says and bring them into the obedience of His Lordship. You have to do that. You have to allow faith to be active in your life to live. (laughs) Because faith without works is dead. You must live by faith and not by sight. You must know whom your God is and you must know whom your enemy is. That's why the Bible says to live as innocent as, as a dove and wise as a serpent. You know the tactics of your enemies. You know the tactics and the desires of your flesh. And you know how the world is going to try to pull you and lure you out. But that's when you have the strength in Christ, the truth that has been given to you, the word of God to be able to push back against all of it and be victorious. Where are the victorious Christians? It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a season in the valley. (laughs) Every one of us are going to go through the valley. But as you've heard me say over the years, that's the motion forward through the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley. You don't take camp in the valley. You don't sit around and mope in the valley. Oh, I know what it's like to be depressed. I know what it's like to want to just stay in bed. I know what it's like to just to give up and just sit down in the valley. But oh no, you're not going to get comforted in the valley you're going to get tormented so keep moving on keep moving forward taking thoughts captive as soon as you recognize wait a minute that is a lie that I have value I have worth I have an opportunity to live life to the fullest not because I have possessions or I have relationships No, because I have Christ. So many of us are putting our identity in our possessions and our relationships. And when we don't have any, we're depressed. We're lonely. I'm nothing. I have no worth. I have no value. And we just mope around. And we just give up. Or we give in to all of those desires and everything that lures us out to destroy us. Oh, I've encouraged us throughout the years. The flesh only knows how to do one thing. And that is to die. And yet it drags us to death quickly. But the Spirit gives life. And we can learn to live. Do you know how many people have sat in here? And if you met them on the streets... The majority of them can preach you a sermon, can tell you the truth, and yet they're not living it. They know what the flesh ultimately is about, and yet they've given over to it. Somehow they think that they're saved, and in reality, they're not. They have a knowledge, but they lack knowledge. That's what the religious people of even Jesus' day and from the beginning were. They had a knowledge, but they didn't have 
the knowledge. They didn't walk with God. They weren't in relationship with God. And yet they know the truth. I know if I put my hand to this, I know if I put my eye to this, I know if I give myself to this, what's going to come upon me. And yet, they choose to. Oh, we gotta wake up, y'all. Like I said before, we're behind enemy lines. And this isn't the day and the age to give up or to give in. This is a day that you need to build up your faith to encourage each other to look upon Christ and say, God, show me my worth in you. What have you purposed for me this day? How can I love you and how can I love others? How can I serve you and how can I serve others? Get my mind and my eyes off of me, myself, and I and all my troubles and help me to look up. Because I'm in a war. But I know that the battle doesn't belong to me, it belongs to you. And I know that as a Christian, when I pray, I'm not praying from a place of defeat. No, I'm praying from a place of victory because you've already won because that's what I believe. As a Christian, I believe that you are resurrected. I believe that you have ascended into heaven and that you are seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I believe when the Bible says in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, that my position now is in Christ. I am seated with Christ. It's a place of victory. You see, Christ is not standing up, pacing back and forth in heaven, wondering how all this is going to work out. He's not wringing his hands, calling out to daddy, how is this all going to work out? No, he's seated. (laughs) And the only time that the Bible gives us a picture of him standing is when Stephen was being stoned. And Stephen looked up, Christ stood up. I said, Woo! Come on! Come on! Does your faith make him stand up? I mean, Stephen was being stoned to death. He was killed that day. Christ stood up. Stephen knew his worth. And like when I taught on Stephen a while ago, he was just a food service worker. He wasn't the the apostles of the apostles, the disciples of the disciples. He wasn't, you know, anyone major in the natural eye. (laughs) He was just a food service worker distributing food. Why was he stoned? Because he preached the gospel. And they dragged him out. And they stoned him. And Paul, saw at that time, stood back and watched. But there is a day of coming for Saul. He will be transformed into Paul. And he will begin to be about his father's business. Listen, there is a war going on. 
And we need Christians to stand up and begin to pray and to begin to intercede, to know their worth, to know their God first and foremost, and to get out there in this world and begin to be like Stephen, be bold with your faith. Not rude with your faith, but bold with your faith. No, I can respect you enough. If you don't want to come to Christ, that is up to you. But as the opportunities open, I'm going to share faith with you in Christ. I'm going to tell you of the good news. And not only am I going to share and tell you, first and foremost, I'm going to live it for myself. There's a lot of other, there's a lot of so-called Christians out there telling others. And then when others look at their lives, they go, where's the God you preach? You're nasty, you're rude, you're easily angered, you're filled with lust and deception, you lie, you cheat, you steal. Like, what kind of God is that? But over the years, that's what the church has bought into. Well, God's grace. Like, God understands my struggles, God understands my sin, and He's okay with it. No, He's holy. He is holy. It doesn't mean you won't sin, but it means you won't continue to sin because when you sin, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. No, Rob, that's not how you're to talk. No, that's not what you're to put your hand to. Why are you gazing longingly than you ought to upon that? Why are you thinking of those thoughts? Why are you giving in to this or to that? And if we're not quick with when we feel the conviction to go like, oh God, and, and to truly be repentive, uh, to truly see like, oh, how ugly that is. Oh, I remember you, old man. I remember what you want to drag me to. <laughs> but ultimately, I remember Christ who has freed me from it. I've said over before, so many people grow up in abusive, dysfunctional chaos. And if you sit down with them and you counsel them or you talk with them, oh, how they long to be free from that environment. They're broken. They're hurting. They don't want to live that way anymore. But what happens to them as they grow up, if they don't find freedom, if they don't find a way out through Christ, they continue the cycle. They continue the cycle. They continue the cycle. And then not only do they continue it for themselves, but now they pass it on to their seeds, to their children. And it's just a vicious cycle. And I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to live this way. I know how bad it is for me. They say. <laughs> but why do you give over to it? You see, that's where our eyes really need to be open. That's where we really need to understand the tactics of the enemy and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> this is warfare. And no, I'm not giving in, and I'm not going back, and I'm not going to keep tolerating it. 
No, I'm going to stand in the assurance of who God is and what he has done, and I'm going to take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and I'm going to begin to battle. And as the Word of God says, after you've done all you know to do, then stand and rest assured that God's got this. We've got to stop being more in agreement with the enemy over the lives of our loved ones, over the, of our situations, over our health, over our finances, over just the country, over just everything that's going on. And we've got to start being in agreement, full agreement with God. To stand and say, not on my watch. Like if in reality, if I went around the room and I asked y'all, how much time do you spend in prayer? Not God is great, God is good type of prayer. That's nice. That's a good beginning prayer. <laughs> but I'm talking about praying. Like I'm talking about knowing whom your God is and what worth you have and what he has called you to to be able to really grow and to mature as a Christian and begin to battle. Because like I've told you before, a visual is if I got up and I snatched Norma out of that chair and I dragged her over here and I began to beat the hell out of her, you all will get up. You're just not going to sit back. Hopefully. Hopefully you wouldn't run down the stairs. Hopefully you all would try to overpower me and take me off of her. And if we're so quick, though some of the stuff you watch nowadays, people aren't quick. People do turn the blind eye. And people are getting the hell beaten out of them. But the majority, I would hope, would try to overpower the one that is bringing on the chaos. And if we're quick to do that in the physical, why aren't we doing it in the spiritual? But then if I said to you, how much time did you put in to Christ this week? To open up the word. To be in fellowship. To ask. To, to confess. Like I, when I looked at the individual this week, I said, can you just tell him, just be honest. You've carried all of this. And would have done you better if back here, you would have just been honest. Like God, you know my heart. You know where I'm heading. You know how this is making me angry. God, I don't want to react out of my flesh. Oh, God, help me. Remind me of your truth. Remind me of your goodness. Remind me of your love. Remind me of your power, of your deliverance. Remind me just how great you are. That I may worship you in the midst of this. Like, do you know your God? Do you trust Him? And it's not that you have to... Okay, I put an hour in today. I put 30 minutes in. No, it's not about a to-do list. It's not about checking off. Because when your relationship with Christ is, Oh, I have to go to church. Oh, I'm supposed to open up the Bible. Oh, I'm supposed to sit down in prayer. And it's a burden to you. Then you don't know Christ. Because it's not to be a burden. It's to be an awakening. Oh, I need you. Because apart from you, I could do nothing. God, I need to know your truth. 
And it may not all make sense to me right now, but I know, God, that as I seek you, your word says that I will find you. And all of this stuff will be illuminated to me through your Holy Spirit because I'm trusting in you because you've given yourself to me as my teacher, as my guide, as my comforter. And I will walk by faith and not by sight. I will live and not die. That I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That scripture over the past 20 some odd years of my life gets me up. Especially when I feel discouragement coming on. Especially when I just feel like, oh, I go, wait a minute. (laughs) I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will seek you out in the midst of all of this. Are you seeking him out? Oh, how I pray that you will begin to fight you all. So before we get into Deuteronomy, I want to read some scriptures to you. Carrie's going to to send them out. And oh, how I pray that you would meditate upon them, that you would pray through them, that you would read them, that you would just take time this week to sit and to be still and to be encouraged on spiritual warfare. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 through 5. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in faith. Faith. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Even when you're not feeling like it. You've got to put it into practice. Because your life is not based on your feelings and your emotions. My emotions and my feelings will keep me down. (laughs) But my faith in Christ will get me up. Your word says I'm to practice self-control. That I'm to remain alert. But I'm just giving over to anything and everything today, God. I'm recognizing it as you're bringing conviction upon me, Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to beg you to, oh God, give me self-control. No, because your word says that that is the fruit of the Spirit. I've already received it. I'm just not applying it. So Lord, give me the strength to be self-controlled. Help me to remain alert. Because my enemy is seeking whom he may devour because he's a roaring lion. And we've talked about the lion before. The lion in and of himself is a lazy animal. But what does he have in the natural? He has a roar. And so when he gets up and he roars, his prey, oh, they freeze too. But if they would just know that he's lazy, and kept running, oh, the lion would be like, ah, and go lay right back down. But they're ignorant of his nature. 
And so they remain paralyzed. And as soon as you hear the enemy roar and you get paralyzed, he's going to pounce on you. No, you just keep running. Running to Jesus. Because as you submit yourself to God, the Bible says that you then can resist the enemy and he has to flee. He cannot touch us. He has no authority over us. Come on. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of the evil of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand, be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, <laughs> with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 6, verse 11 through 17. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans eight thirty seven. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4, verse 6. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. Behold, I have given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Luke 10, verse 19. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it in abundantly. John 10, 10. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew 18, verse 18 through 19. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be, to, against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Deuteronomy 28, verse 7. Again, these are scriptures for warfare. Again, the Bible is just not a good night story book. No, it is the word of God. It is living and active. Could you imagine your life if you had these scriptures and the word of God hidden in your heart? So that when the time comes and you're being pulled down, beaten down, you just get up. <laughs> Not by my might, nor by my power, but by the Spirit of the living God. Come on. <laughs> oh, we've got to know who our God is. And listen, you're going to have enemies. You're behind enemy lines. You're not going to be liked. I've told you before, and I keep telling us, and as the days keep progressing towards his return, the church is going to be battered like she's never been battered before. 
persecution like we've never seen it is going to come to the earth. And we are conditioning the church just come in to be entertained. Do many people flood into churches? They don't apply the word. They just show up when they want, how they want. They make it about them. And God is not pleased. God is like, those aren't my people. Come on. The level of persecution is going to rise. But we don't give up. We don't give in. We know we're going to be hated because they hate him. We know it may cost us our lives, but we know that we're not afraid of what man, temporal man, can do to us. No, remember the Bible says we're not to be, we're not to be afraid of them who can destroy and kill our bodies. No, the Bible says be afraid of the one who not only can destroy your body, but send you to hell. Why isn't the church being groomed to stand? Why aren't we being prepared for what's ahead? That we don't quake in our boots? No, we're ready to serve. We're ready to serve Christ. I told you, back on September 11th, when the towers came down, Chaos was running amok in the city. There actually was a prayer meeting going on in New York City. When the officer opened up the door to those who were gathered, and these were members from all around the world, people of faith at the UN, they were praying. As the guard opens up and says, we must evacuate, we're being attacked. The majority of the room caught up, panicking and about to run out. It took one woman to stand up and say, no, we don't run out, we run too. And she began to say, you take that tablecloth off that table. You start throwing that water back in those cameras. You start grabbing the pins, the markers. We're going to rush towards it. And all of a sudden, they begin to rush towards the chaos getting bottled water out, stopping people, praying with people, telling people to put their name on, on, the, on, the, on the tablecloths. And the officers said that those tablecloths helped family members because there came a time when they put the cloths up that people were able to see that this person made it out, or at least at that time they were alive. The lives that were able to be impacted. Where are the Christians like that? I know they're out there. But oh, how I pray that we would be marked among them. That we wouldn't turn in the time of chaos, but that we would go towards it with the heart intent to see people saved, to see people served. Because we understand the hour in which we are living and the times that are to come. We know who our God is. We know that we are a new creation. We know that we've been transformed out of darkness into His marvelous light. We are to abide in Him. We are to remain in Him. We're to get up. We have work. There is work to be done. And yes, they're going to hate you. And yes, they're going to say things about you. For God's sakes. My life for years over these past years... That's all I hear from people. Well, this person saying this about you. This person saying that about you. This person this. This person that. And oh, because you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And everyone's in agreement. 
But yet when they stand in my face or they walk into my house, it's like, oh, hi. And a part of me, my flesh wants to go. But I've learned over the years, that's just a, that's just a par for the course. It's just what's going to happen. I'm not living to satisfy men. I'm not living to satisfy people. All I have is the truth of God's word. And yet that life comes slamming down upon them. My phone rings. The texts come. Pray, pray, pray for me. Pray for this, pray for that. And I so want to be like the prophet in the Old Testament that told the king, no, you go now. All these other things you were chasing after, pray for you. Go, go to all the other things that you've left Christ for to help you. But I don't. I pray. God, how I pray that this would be the moment of reckoning. That you wouldn't make things better now. That you would deliver them out of darkness and bring them out into your light. That they may be able to stand in the times of testing. That they may be able to remain committed to Christ. And in that, God, give them revelation and understanding in the midst of this chaos that they're going through of your great love for them. Come on. You're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. And again, the level of persecution is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. So let's not forget the history of the church. See, listen, when you start seeing groups of people want to tear down history, when you start seeing how people aren't learning history anymore, something's wrong, and the enemy's up to something, because if we can make you forget where you've come from, we enslave you, and we can begin to twist it, and you'll believe it. Where's the church talking about the church history? And we're not talking about the level of persecution rising. It's going to be greater than we've ever seen before. I always go back and I think of church history. And I think of the time of Rome. And I've said it multiple times for us. But Christians were gathered together. Ushered into the Colosseum, the stadium. Hordes of people gathered, roaring and screaming as they ushered the Christians out and let the lions out to destroy them. And as their bodies were being ripped apart, torn apart, the crowd was cheering. And don't forget, I'm sure that even after they were leaving the Colosseum and they were strolling home and during their evening, the bodies of Christians were tied to posts throughout the city lit a flame so that it lighted the path of the city. That's what happened to Christians. And we just want to show up for church. Oh, I'll get there if I can today. I don't feel like going. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like serving. 
Oh, little Jesus is fine with me. Oh, it's not fine. I mean, we're told that the wheat and the tares, they grow together. And it won't be till the end of time when the harvester comes that he begins to remove the tares. And they will burn for eternity. Come on, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. (laughs) I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, 32. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Revelation 12, 11. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witness. 1 Timothy 6.12 On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16 verse 18 And that rock is the truth in which was announced by Peter. Jesus, you are the Messiah. He is our God, you all. He is our truth. And listen, you say, well, I don't know what to do with these scriptures. I, I don't know. Okay, I can read them. But listen, that's why I've encouraged you. That's why you must be discipled. If you're not being discipled, you're not growing. You're not maturing. That's why Jesus himself said, as he, before he ascended up, he said, he put out the commission to go and to the world. Preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit and then teach them to obey all of my commands. Are you being taught? Listen, when I first came to Christ, I'm not an educated man. I hated to read. I hated school. I was a dropout. Something stirred up within me. My eyes were open. And I bowed myself down and said, God, I belong to you. And I've shared with you all before my, my prayer, and it's even to this day, who am I? I know who I can be back here. I know what I will go to. I know how I will live. But when I see all through Scripture, you're telling me that there's a new life, that I'm believing that how am I to live now? How am I to live? I sought after Christ. And even those times when I open up the Word and I would just be tired, or even, okay, today I'm going to pray, and I would just, before you know it, I'm, I'm asleep and three hours have passed, and I was supposed to be praying. All of a sudden, I saw warfare going on right before my eyes. It's like, wait a minute, what is this? I can go and I can sit and watch a two-hour movie. I can go and I, or I can sit and do this and this and not be distracted and not be tempted to fall asleep or to look at this or gaze at that. No, 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 no. 
Wait a minute. I see what you're doing, flesh. And so you have to grab hold of it. I told you, I used to open up the Bible. And when my body got tired, I said, I'll get up and I'll stand up and I'll read it out loud. And I used to just walk and read. Walk and read. I didn't know what I was learning. I didn't know what was going on. But the more I kept hearing it, the more I kept hearing it. And finally, I began to get discipled. And people holding me accountable. People that I can go to and I can ask questions. And all of a sudden, my eyes just begin to open even more to his truth and how to apply them. Oh, this is what it means. And this is how I'm to live. Like, okay. And even in those moments of, 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 of struggle and, and, and not understanding, I would ask for it. And he's always faithful. So I'm just asking you all, what are you doing with the truth that you're hearing? Because as I've said before, we need you all and the people of the body of Christ to be healthy members of the body of Christ because we need each other. We need everyone's gift to be active because that's when we will be effective in our homes, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our nation, and throughout the world. If one of us is sick, if one of us aren't growing, you're hindering the body. We're walking crippled. We're crippled. We're injured. And an injured body can't do much. That's why we must be healthy members of the body of Christ. That's why the church is constantly, throughout the New Testament, being reminded to serve one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to edify each other, to build each other up, to be there for each other, not just to take camp with each other and say, oh yeah, that, that's really sad. And, and we just beat each other down. Are we gossip? Are we backbite? Are we tear? None of that's supposed to be going on in the church. And that we settle for it. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing, you all. There's a level... There's a standard that is set in place, not by men, but by God. These are my people. This is how they are to live. They are to honor me. And it's not because he forces us. No. It's because he has called us to himself. He's begun this work in us. Now stand up and act like you know me, Rob. <laughs> Act like you're in relationship with me. Let me break your heart for what breaks mine. Let me give you a new heart, a heart that is compassionate. A heart that has a, has a, has a desire for my standards and for my kingdom. A heart that will go and serve and be among the least of the least. Not a heart seeking to make yourself something with my name on you. I told you before, and they told me years ago, a group of people got around me, that I was going to be the next big thing on TBN. They were ushering me in churches and out of churches, in churches and over here and over there. And all, it all just began to be a performance. I can shuck and jive with the best of them. I can get the crowd pumped up. Oh, it needs to be a bigger offering? Okay. Yeah, you can learn all of that and do all of that. 
And then when God got my heart and said, what are you doing? It's not what I called you to. Oh, my heart was broken. So it's not about claiming Jesus and then trying to get things because his name is upon your life. And do you know how many people live that way? Well, I'm blessed. Bless. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I want more. I want more. Give me a bigger house. Give me a bigger car. Pay my bills this month. Give me a man. Give me a woman. Give me four of them. Give me three of them. Give me just one more. I just want more. I just want more. I just want more. Jesus. And all along, Jesus isn't around them. They've been led astray. Why do you think the prosperity message has gained so much ground over the years? They think they're prospering because God is prospering them. And in fact, God's going, no. I've turned you over to that. That is your God. That is your God. And it will devour you. And it will destroy you. And that's why he tries to call them out from it. Come on. It's warfare, you all. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 Timothy 6, 2. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Take that home with you. That's 1 John 3, verse 8. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall, not, they shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, verse 31. One of your men puts to flight a thousand for the Lord your God. He, he is he who fights for you just as he promised you, Joshua 23 verse 10. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. Deuteronomy 3.22. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. Though through you we will push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. Psalm 44 verse 5. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1 9. For you have guided me, I'm sorry, for you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. Psalm 18, verse 39. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Psalm 91 verse 1 through 4. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15. When we belong to Christ, the enemy never has the final word over our lives. We are secure in God's hands. So press on. Courageous and free. Never be held back by fear or defeat. Remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. And His victory is final. 
Ah, that's the good news, you all. This is the good news. This is who God is. This is the relationship that we have with the Holy God. He has purposed us. He has placed, and when He placed us in our mother's womb, the Bible says that He's prepared good works for us to do. He has delivered us, if you are in Christ, out of darkness and into His light. There is a way in which you can live. Holy, set apart for His purpose to impact your generation with truth. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 today. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Oh, how I pray for all of us that we're learning and knowing who our God is. That was the whole point of starting to walk through the Bible. My prayer is that, God, that we would truly know you, that we truly would see you, that we would truly come to the revelation of our great need for you because we're sinners in need of a Savior. And as we come to that understanding, as we've humbled ourselves before you, and now we now are born again, we are the people who belong to you, that we will live as such. And as it was with the Israelites, they were about to enter into the promise. And remember, from the beginning to the end, God's plan is, is, is in place. Our doubt, our unbelief, it's not going to change what God has already purposed. And today we're going to read the blessings and the curses. And you're going to see that there's many, there's, there's many curses and few blessings. God knew these people were not going to obey. God knew. How did he know? Because the cross was already put in place way before the garden. Again, the cross wasn't an afterthought. The Messiah was already prepared to come to the earth. But until then... God was beginning to reveal himself to his creation. He set a people off for himself. He gave them an understanding of what it would be like to be his people. To be blessed and highly favored. To, to exceed and to excel in all that they did as long as they kept him their center. But he knew that they wouldn't. So the Israelites, the Jewish people, has had to endure generations of generations of generations of generations until finally, when there was silence from heaven, no prophets, God didn't speak for many years, a baby's cry pierced the darkness and all of hell took. Don't believe me? Read the word of God. All of a sudden, the promise of the Messiah, once announced in the garden, there will come one who's going to crush your head. God told the serpent. And all of a sudden, All of hell, all his 
from his birth, Jesus was being chased down to be destroyed. Until he hung on that cross and all hell thought it won when they buried him. And then there was a rumbling in the tomb. And Jesus came forth and defeated the power of sin and death. The church then, at the moment when they were in the upper room after Jesus ascended, he tells them to go wait. The Holy Spirit fell upon them, and now they are filled with the power of God to go forth. Weak-willed men and women all of a sudden gain the supernatural power as they are born again of the Spirit and they begin to turn the world upside down. And since then, the church has been advancing. The church isn't defeated. The church has been advancing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, until the day that that sky parts and Jesus says, I'm back. And then he gathers those who belong to him. We're on the right side, you all. If you're in Christ, you are victorious in Christ because he's victorious. So it's not doom and gloom. The message isn't doom and gloom and no hope. No, I keep telling as though the world is getting darker, the hope that remains on this earth is the church is still here. Be about your father's business. God was, through Moses, was about to pronounce all the blessings, a few of them, for their obedience. But the curses of their disobedience. And every single one of these, rather it was the blessings or the curses, came to pass for these people. They heard what was going to happen to them. And it's no different than people who have been sitting in church for years. They have heard of the blessings and of the curses. And yet they don't fear God. They just keep living however they want. God help us. Chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and bread boards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will be scattered from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do, and you will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see, oh, look at this, that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in all of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to give to your ancestors, um, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. 
the Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations. You will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must turn away from any of the commands. I'm sorry. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. But, if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God, and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be cursed. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration and everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. Oh, can we just sit there for a second? And we want to make him out to be this weird, wimpy entity that's just sitting somewhere mystical. And we don't see him for who he is. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration. And everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed from doing evil and abandoning. The Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land you are about to enter and occupy. The Lord will strike you with wasting diseases, fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, and with blight and mildew. These disasters will pursue you until you die. The skies above will be as unyielding as bronze, and the earth beneath will be as hard as iron. <laughs> The Lord will change the rain that falls on your land into powder, and dust will pour down from the sky until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. You will attack your enemies from one direction, but you will scatter from them in seven. You will be an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your corpses will be food for all the scavenging birds and wild animals, and no one will be there to chase them away. The Lord will afflict on you, well, the Lord will afflict you with boils of Egypt and with tumors, scurry and the itch, from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will strike you with madness, blindness, and panic. You will grope around in broad daylight like a blind person groping in the darkness, but you will not find your way. You will be oppressed and robbed continually, and no one will come to save you. You will be engaged to a woman, but another man will sleep with her. You will build a house, but someone else will live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will never enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be butchered before your eyes, but you will not eat a single bite of the meat. Your donkey will be taken from you, never to be returned. Your sheep and goats will be given to your enemies, and no one will be there to help you. You will watch as your sons and daughters are taken away as slaves. Your heart will break for them, but you won't be able to help them. A foreign nation you have never heard about will eat the crops you worked so hard to grow. You will suffer under constant oppression and harsh 
treatment. You will go mad because of all the tragedy you see around you. The Lord will cover you. The Lord will cover your knees and legs with incurable boils. In fact, you will be covered from head to foot. The Lord will exile you and your king to the nation unknown to you and to your ancestors. There in exile, you will worship gods of wood and stone. You will be. I mean, you will become an object of horror ridicule and mockery and mocking mockery among the nations in which the Lord sends you. You will plant much but harvest little, for locusts will eat your crops. You will plant vineyards and care for them, but you will not drink the wine or eat the grapes, for worms will destroy the vines. You will grow olive trees throughout your land, <coughs> but you will never use the olive oil, for the fruit will drop before it ripens. You will have sons and daughters, but you will lose them, for they will be led away into captivity. Swarms of insects will destroy your trees and crops. The foreigners living among you will become stronger and stronger, while you become weaker and weaker. They will lend money to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, and you will be the tail. If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and to obey the commands and decrees He has given you, all these curses will pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed. These horrors will serve as a sign and warning among you and your descendants forever. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you. You will be left hungry thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. The Lord will put an iron yoke on your neck, oppressing you and harshly until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a distant nation against you from the end of the earth, and it will swoop down on you like a vulture. It is a nation whose language you do not understand, a fierce and heartless nation that shows no respect for the old and no pity for the young. Its armies will devour your livestock and crops and you will be destroyed. They will leave you no grain, new, they will leave you no grain, new wine, olive oil, calves or lambs, and you will starve to death. They will attack your cities until all the fortified walls in your land, the walls you trusted to protect you, are knocked down. They will attack all the towns and the land the Lord your God has given you. The siege and terrible distress of the enemy's attack will be so severe that you, oh God, look at this, will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters whom the Lord your God has given you. They become cannibals. The most tenderhearted man among you will have no compassion for his own brother, his beloved wife, and his surviving children. He will refuse to share with them the flesh he is devouring, the flesh of one of his own children, because he has nothing else to eat during the siege and terrible distress that your enemy will afflict on all your towns. The most tender and delicate woman among you, so delicate she would not so much as touch the ground with her foot, will be selfish towards the husband she loves and towards her own son and daughter. She will hide from them the afterbirth and the new baby she has born so that she herself can secretly eat them. She will have nothing else to eat during the siege and terrible distress that your enemy will afflict on all your towns. 
If you refuse to obey all the words of the instructions that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm you and your children with the indescribable plagues. These plagues will be intense and without relief, making you miserable and utterly sick. He will inflict with you all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and you will have no relief. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague there is, even those not mentioned in this book of instruction, until you are destroyed. Though you become as numerous as the stars in the sky, few of you will be left because you would not listen to the Lord your God. Just as the Lord has found great pleasure in causing you to prosper and multiply, the Lord will find pleasure in destroying you. You will be torn from the land you are about to enter and occupy. For the Lord will scatter you among all the nations from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship foreign gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. Gods made of wood and stone. There among those nations you will find no peace or place of rest. And the Lord will cause your heart to tremble, your eyesight to fail, and your soul to despair. Your life will constantly hang in the balance. You will live night and day in fear, unsure if you will survive. In the mornings you will say, if only it were night. And in the evening you will say, if only it were morning. For you will be terrified by the awful horrors you see around you. Then the Lord will send you back to Egypt in ships. To a destination I promise you would never see again. There you will offer to sell yourselves to your enemies as slaves. But no one will buy you. Dear God, <laughs> and there will be those who would hear that and say, how can you serve a God like that? <laughs> and like I've always encouraged you, and like I've said that when people have said that to me, how could I not? He's a loving God. He's a just God. His punishments, His wrath, when brought on by the disobedience of the people. There's no error found in God. God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. It is mankind who is sinful, who is wicked, who holds their fist up to him and says, no, you're not God. And so he's about to send these people into the promised land. They're going to receive everything that he promised way back here. And if they would only just obey him, they would prosper in a way like no other nation has. But they refused to obey, obey him. And every, all those curses we read is part of Israel's history. They received everything that was pronounced over them. And listen, study the history of Israel prophetically you see so much going on I couldn't even imagine even as the church was living before Israel was formed back as a nation you remember what year was that Carrie? 1948. 1948 all of that time before 1948 they were scattered there was not a nation of Israel but prophetically there has to be a nation of Israel so I can't imagine being the church before 1948 trying to figure out well when is, when is Israel going to come back to be a nation? How is this going to happen? 
And then all of a sudden, 1948, prophetically, Israel is rebirthed. Come on, we got to understand biblical prophecy. Because yet, though, they had to endure all of this. And yet, though, we will see them go through, as we read the Old Testament, seasons of worshiping and trusting and loving God and tearing down all the old stuff and tearing down the idols and honoring Him, we're going to see them flood right back out into the world. We're going to see them endure such chaos and confusion. But God does not give up on them. He always, he always has a remnant set aside for His purpose. God's plan is in place. Rather we rebel or not, God is bringing about what He has purposed. He is faithful. He is just. He is loving. He is kind. And He will eventually, at the end of days on this earth, have a people that belong to Him. From the beginning to the end, that is His purpose. He will have a people that he will call his own, and in return, they will live however they want. No, no, that's not what the Word of God says from Genesis to Revelation. No, it's that they will call him their God. They live for him. They honor him. They love him with their whole hearts. That's why Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength, with your whole being. I love. Jesus, go to Luke chapter 11, verse 14 through 36. Luke chapter 11, verse 14 through 36. And we want to play with God. Oh, God, help us. Jesus, Lord, have mercy. That's why I think of the Pharisees, the religious men of the New Testament. They should have known God. They studied Scripture. They knew the history of of Israel. And instead of bringing people to relationship with God, they lorded over them with all these rules and laws. They kept people from God. And yet God, through the Holy Spirit, was continually stirring up with people to look up, to believe, to hope. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who was promised is on the earth. And they're irritated by Him. Because now you're interfering with our status, Jesus. And isn't that how it is with the religious people sitting in the church today? I want just a little bit of Jesus to make me feel okay. But no, 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 no. Don't tell me I need to give up my life. Don't tell me I have to do this and to do that. No, no. I want it all about me and just slap Jesus on my forehead. Yeah, no. It's all or nothing. And that's what Jesus' message was when he was on the earth. If you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you everything. Don't take it lightly, Jesus. Look, he knows who's with him and who's against him. He knows the condition of the hearts of men and women. And he's not groveling. Oh, would you just please believe in me? Would you just please? No, he stands there and watch you go. Are you coming to Christ? Are you following Christ? Today we pick up verse 14, chapter 11 of Luke. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. 
And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. But some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets the power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to tell, test Jesus demanded that he showed them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts, so he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. <coughs> you say I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will be condemned for, for, condemn you for what you have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man is fully armed and, and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't with me, oh God, hear this verse. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns to find that its former house is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits even more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. As he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that, you nursed, that nursed you. And Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Put the word into practice. Jesus is casting out demons. These people, they're demanding a sign from him after he's done so many signs, after he's taught with such authority. They're still rejecting him. They're not moved any longer by signs and wonders, but yet they're demanding of him. He gives this insight to understanding of keeping the house clean. You, you, you can't just give yourself over to Christ and then begin a process of work and then just turn from Christ and then go back and allow everything else in because it's going to come on stronger. Oh, how we got to know truth. And then this woman speaks and says, Blessed is the woman from the womb you came from. And he doesn't deny that Mary is blessed, but he doesn't put Mary up at, on, a, on a pedestal. Because he says even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and puts it into practice. As the crowd pressed in on Jesus, he said, This evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. What happened to him was the sign to the people of Nineveh that God has sent him. What happened to the Son of Man will be a sign to these people that he was sent by God. 
the Queen of Sheba will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. The people of Nineveh will also stand up against this generation and Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. Just like Jonah being the belly of that well for three days, so Christ will be in that tomb for three days. And the sign would be his resurrected body coming forth, given to that generation, and yet they still will not believe. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. And look at this. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. He's confronting the religious. The religion in their heart. They think they're right, but they're not right. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. So we're not called to hide what God has given us. No, we're called to shine, you all. We're not to pretend we're saved. We're not to act like we're saved. In reality, we're not. Doing the religious works, doing this, doing that, knowing all the church lingo, doing this and doing that. In reality, so far from Christ. No. Let your light shine and shine therefore then in a radiant manner because of your relationship with Christ. Ah, this is good news, you all. Go to Psalm 60, I'm sorry, Psalm 77. We're wrapping up. Psalm 77. Oh, again, how I pray that you're reading through the book of Psalms, that you're finding encouragement in these words. I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, and my soul was not comforted. I think of God, and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for His help. Listen to the psalmist, what he's enduring. He's crying out for God. He's lifting up his hands through the evening. His soul still isn't comforted. He moans and he's overwhelmed, longing for God just to step in. He goes on, you don't let me sleep. I am so distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended. When my nights were filled with joyful songs, I searched my soul and pondered the difference now. How the Lord rejected, has the Lord rejected me forever? Will He never be kind to me again? Is His unfailing love gone forever? Have His promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He slammed the door on His compassion? I mean, listen to the depths of despair that this man is in. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned His hand against me. 
Then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, I love this, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Oh, when you're in great despair, when you feel as if God has abandoned you, oh, don't turn to your desires and all this other junk that's out there. No, look up and turn to your God. Remember how great He is. Listen to how the psalmist transitioned from gloom and doom to God's awesome power. This beautiful picture as if as the people of God enter, uh, coming, comes upon the Red Sea. The Red Sea is before them. The enemy is behind them, chasing them down. And I love the description here. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, not God's people, when that Red Sea, that body of water saw you, God, it began to quake. All of a sudden, the path opened. The waters began to stand up, rise up. And a path was made. So it doesn't matter what your circumstances look like. It doesn't matter how the enemy is breathing down your back. Know your God. He will part the sea. He will heal the sick. He will deliver you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He will provide. He doesn't forsake those who belong to him. He's God, you all. Go to Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12, one nugget of wisdom, verse 18. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Verse 18, Proverbs 12. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Remember, there's power in the tongue. You must remember it. We can't control our own tongue. tongue. We can't tame it. But the Holy Spirit can. Give your very being to Christ, you all. And then if you need help with your attitudes, with your words, ask Him to help you. Repent of how loose we are with our tongues. And say, God, help me. Help me, for, help me to allow my words to be those that would bring healing instead of destruction. Your words that are being released, life and death is in the power of tongue. So as you speak is what's coming forth. So let us be mindful before we open up our mouths 
of what the words that are coming out. Are they uplifting or are they destroying? And God help us not to be those whose mouths open and reaps destruction. Let me close with this last song and then I'll close us in prayer.